You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Off the long COVID pause, they beat Wisconsin, and now they're going to take care of Rutgers as the back of the rim is kind to Mr. Young. Eight seconds left, still a seven-point game, though. It's BetQL Daily on the BetQL Audio Network. You're locked into the BetQL Audio Network. It's Ryan, it's JJ. We've got two hours to work with. And, Ryan, I think it's fair to say that late last-second three from Rutgers that you just heard a moment ago, significant to some on a whole lot of different fronts, my friend. Yeah, absolutely, man. And you know what? I kind of saw that one coming. I said, there's no way I'm going 0-3 in college hoops tonight. And obviously, uh, Wisconsin doesn't end up covering as they get blown out. And then, you know, what went down with Penn State. So I kind of saw that one coming, but it still felt good. And then I was able to get a little bit of sleep. So there you go. That's what you want. That's exactly what you need going into what's going to be a big weekend of college basketball. Now, as we go through the card, you have myself. We have you, and then we have our college basketball extraordinaire, our esteemed producer, Eli Herskovitz, who, by the way, is one of my esteemed college guests when I do my show on Odds on Sports on WFAN. So now, Eli, let me ask you a question. I have not seen any lines yet for any of these Saturday games. When is the earliest I'm going to get, you know, circle lines or BetQL lines or all that stuff? When am I going to have those lines available for these Saturday slated games? Probably around 1 Eastern, around 1 Eastern your time. J.J. Circa will open it, and then a couple offshore books will do the same. But we do have Kempom lines, so we can kind of well, open up with that. Well, and that's usually a good reference, and that's usually a good resource to see where the number is going to be. So let's run through a bunch of these. Let's start first with Michigan State and Indiana. And, Rye, has there been a bigger disappointment in the Big Ten than the Michigan State Spartans? The answer to that question is no. Indiana's a bubble team. They desperately need a win. They got a big performance against Minnesota the other night. I mean, I'm done with Michigan State. I took them last week against Iowa. I saw Iowa hit every shot known to man. I said, that's it. I am not justifying a Michigan State play. And my guess would be at the Hoosiers, I'm going to say this line is Indiana minus five, five and a half. Would you agree with that or no? Hmm. Eli, I'm thinking like three and a half, four. Yeah, somewhere around there, I would expect. Uh, no, there really hasn't been a bigger disappointment in the Big Ten, except for uh, if you do consider the Badgers to be a disappointment, whereas you look last year, that's a team that won the Big Ten, probably would have won the Big Ten tournament. ESPN did their mock NCAA tournament predictions, had the Badgers win in the NCAA tournament, which was painful, but they've been a disappointment. But man, Michigan State's been a disappointment. I mean, they're 10 and nine on the season, but they're four and nine in conference play. Big fan of Aaron Henry, but that's 20% of your offense right there. You know, I actually really like Indiana in this game, um, especially if we get a three and a half and a four. four. Lines around seven, by the way, Ryan, on on Kempom. The market could adjust. Yeah, so I'd say if it's seven Kempom, maybe you get a five and a half or a six. 
I think they'll lower that because you'll still have Michigan State money coming in, Eli, which is outrageous to me. The fact that people are still lining up to bet Michigan State week in and week out, sooner or later you got to pull the plug. You know, you got to cut the cord with these blue bloods. They're one of the teams that is not figuring it out, I think, this year. No way. Yeah. No, 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 I agree. I mean, and like same thing with Indiana, though. So like when Indiana actually shows up and plays defense and holds their opponents to under 65 points, they're a perfect 7-0 on the season. When their opponents score more than 65 points, they're 5-9. and nine. So if it gets into a shootout, I don't like Indiana, but if they come out and they play tough defense, I kind of like them in this spot, but I don't know about it that number. I don't know anything around six, six and a half. I probably wouldn't touch this, or I'd probably be on Michigan State like the rest of the public. All right, guys, let's move to the Big East. This is a big-time battle. I've been waiting for this game all year. It's UConn-Villanova. UConn looked like a completely different team with Bout Knight back in the lineup. Now, Eli, how do we pronounce his name? I'm going to butcher it 10 zillion times, so we <laughs> might as well get a correction on this. Let's do it right out of the gate. Book Knight, my man. Book Knight. Book there you go. Knight. Book Knight. Actually, it's not, that, it's not that hard. I see that's the that's me psyching myself out on a given name. Book Knight is actually it's very, very easy. So um, his presence and his return is a game changer the way I see it for UConn. I think he's a guy who could crash the boards. I think he's a guy who can make plays. And I think that line, Rye, will reflect it. Even though the game's being played at Villanova, I think UConn is alive if you can get them anywhere from five to seven points. I think they will play a competitive game against the Wildcats. Villanova's been vulnerable. Kempon makes it six. That's fair. I think that's totally fair. Six yeah. Point one. Pretty spot on right there. I like Villanova at home. They're just a completely different team at home. I mean, they've won their last six straight at home. They're winning those games by an average of 16 points. But, man, UConn's playing tough basketball right now. I think, if anything, it'd be Villanova or nothing for me in this one. What are you thinking, Eli? Yeah, I, I kind of lean towards JJ. I think you're getting a little value with UConn to keep this thing within two possessions because people are going to be coming off that Creighton loss for Villanova last weekend and say, okay, Villanova hasn't played in the week, automatic bounce back for the Wildcats. But UConn's a really good offensive rebounding team, can score inside against a Villanova team that gives up a lot of points inside the arc. So Villanova could still win this game and win by just five points or, or four points, a two-possession kind of a game. Okay, SEC time. You have a blue blood who's playing anything but like a quote-unquote blue blood. That, of course, is the Kentucky Wildcats at the Tennessee Volunteers. I have a rule with Tennessee, fellas. I believe in Rick Barnes in the regular season. I look to fade Rick Barnes' teams once they hit the NCAA tournament. And listen, Kentucky has had some decent performances this year in the SEC. It's just a matter of being able to score and being able to do so consistently. I'm going to guess at Tennessee – that is going to be – I feel like this is the catchphrase. This is the line of the day. I'm going to say that ends up being a five-and-a-half to a six-point margin. What do you think about that, Ry? Ooh, yeah, I'm with you. I'd probably go five-and-a-half, six. That's what I'm thinking right here. You know, I continue to back Kentucky. Uh, it's gotten me in some trouble this season, but they have won two straight games. They're playing a little bit better basketball. Like, I remember hearing John Calipari talk about this. This was going to be a weird year you knew for Kentucky because there are so many one-and-dones. They do bring in new – you know, a new freshman every year, obviously. Uh, and for John Calipari, like, he's talked about why his teams struggle consistently every single season, even when they are a top 15, top 10 team. And that's because they don't even really put in their defense until, like, the second month of the season. So I kind of expected these struggles for Kentucky out of the gate, but they are playing a little bit better right now. I kind of like them again. Eli, you riding with the Wildcats? I feel like you've done it way too many times for your liking <laughs> this year. Just saying. 
Yeah, no, you know what? You want to call me out, JJ? That's fine. I, That's so okay. I, I have two. I mean, listen, I, I bet way too many teams <laughs> that I don't like. So, I mean, that makes two of us, dude. You don't, you don't have to apologize. I bet bad teams like it's like it's no tomorrow. Right. I mean, Penn State's the perfect example yesterday for both exactly. of us, all three of us. Uh, to Ryan's point, though, with Kentucky's backcourt and just why they've struggled, you don't have that consistent point guard play like Hagen's in years past. Ask you, ask you shouldn't even be in college right now. He's right. high school basketball player. So I, I would say there's a little bit, a little bit of value with Kentucky getting a few possessions on the road at Tennessee. We saw Kentucky have a double digit lead against Tennessee a couple weeks ago before Tennessee came back. I mean, this offense is not explosive, but at the same time, Kentucky has not been able to handle their weight in terms of uh, hanging around and, and holding on to leads in the second half, but even keeping it a two or three possession game. So I link Kentucky, but let's see where the market's at tomorrow. If it's around seven. Well, this is the game of the day without question in the big 12. It is Texas tech and Chris Beard squad. And my dude, Mac, McClung, who I can like now because he's no longer a Georgetown Hoya, and they're taking on Kansas. And, you know, Kansas is one of those blue blood teams, fellas, that will find their way into the NCAA tournament. Really don't know what you make of them. I know I'm bullish on Texas Tech. I don't know if I love this spot, though, for Texas Tech. So that I can tell you why without hesitation. This will probably be a stay away game for me. Because I think a lot of the metrics are probably going to put me in a Kansas direction. And I know I'm not going to want to bet Kansas. I can tell you that right out of the gate. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I hate Kansas. I hate Bill Self. But looking at this game, man, Texas Tech obviously coming off that loss to West Virginia. And Kansas is playing pretty good basketball. Now, granted, they played Iowa State uh, two straight times before beating up on Kansas State. I don't know, man. I kind of like Texas Tech in this spot. Where is this number at, Eli? Where do you think this one's going to be? It's around a pick. So give or take, probably Kansas minus one. Ah. I think the market is going to trend towards your direction, though, Ryan. This is a stay away game for me. Kansas is playing, like you said, good basketball. And the opponents, yes. I mean, it's not great competition. But defensively, their length has been causing issues. I know it was K-State on Wednesday a couple days ago. But I was really impressed with their defense. And, I mean, when they're when they're hitting their threes with Brown and Ibaji, they're tough to beat. Uh, Mac McClung, one of the best guards in college basketball, one of the most explosive guards in the country. But it, it's tough for me to bet against Kansas right now, the way they could defend, even against a, a Texas Tech team that can get up and down the floor. Yeah, and the Big 12, listen, Baylor, as we know, is the class of the conference. That's obvious. That goes without saying. I think what's going to be interesting is trying to figure out who is that second team. Is it yeah. Texas Tech? Is it West Virginia? Can Kansas work their way into the equation? Um, Big 12? You know, I make the argument, the Big 12 top half, I put it right up there with the Big 10 top half because I'm bullish on Texas Tech and I'm bullish on West Virginia. The difference between the Big 12 fellas and a conference like the Big 10 is the overall depth. I mean, the Big 10 is going to have, what, 10 teams going to the NCAA tournament? You're not getting that out of the Big 12 this year. You know, if you have to pick a team from the Big 12, you have to pick one team from Big Big, the Big Ten. Let's say it's like a survivor pool for the NCAA tournament. I like those, by the way. I'm in one of those every year. I don't know about you guys, but I love that sort of stuff. Now, for the Big 12, that's easy. But for the Big Ten, I don't know. I, I mean, I want to say Illinois, but I just – I really struggle betting against Iowa because, again, I didn't believe any of the hype coming into the they season. They defended well last night, man. And they did. They actually defended well last night. That's the thing. And you just can't get consistent stops against them because if somebody's not hitting their shots, somebody else steps up and hits their shots, and they get to the rim, they get to the free throw line – 
for me, it may be Iowa. But then again, I got to stop going against Ohio State. What do you think, Eli? You get one team in the Big Ten. I know you're probably sticking with Illinois. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely Illinois. I know Jake, our board op, is pumping his fist right now. Illinois grab. But, man, like, I know they played down to their competition. I think they might lose tomorrow to Minnesota. We'll get to that game later on. We're breaking down college hoops here on BetQL Daily. But, uh, yeah, DeSumo's guard play is fantastic. You have one of the best bigs in college basketball in Kofi Coburn. They could defend. At a really high level, they have perimeter shooting on like last season. So I, I'm with the, I'm with you on a, on the Illini, even though Iowa is, is uh, playing better defense. Now let me well, ask fellas, you, fellas, I can tell you right now, I think we will be throwing in an Illinois to win the Big Ten tournament type of ticket. I can yeah. I, I can sense that already. Is that going to be a family play? Are we uh, working in a little family beak for Indianapolis in a couple weeks? I'm in. I'm game. Yeah, I'm I like it. That. I'm in on that one. I'm in on that one. Eli, who's the best player in the Big Ten? It's, ooh, see, you got me there with Luca and Io. I mean, uh, Luca's player of the year. He's going to win Naismith, even if I wanted to say Io. But in terms of best closer in college basketball and the Big Ten, I think it's Dasunmu. But best player, I mean, especially after what we saw yesterday against the good Badgers defensive front court, probably Garza. Dude, yeah, Dick Vitale, Dickie V should be his agent, man. I mean, did you hear last night? You know, I, the, on the broadcast, the one problem I have with the college basketball broadcast is I want to make it through one Dickie V game where we don't have to hear the defense of Tom Izzo or Coach K or any of his boys, how they've never done anything wrong and they're going to be back on top. We all know John Calipari is going to be back on top. It's a weird year. We know Kentucky's going to be back. He's in no danger of being fired. But last night, man, it was all about how Garza is going to be a great pro because he can knock down the three. And I'm thinking in the back of my head, like, if you play in college basketball in 2021, like, who can't shoot the three? I don't know. Better be able to shoot it. You better, better be able, able to shoot it. But I, um, I think he's the best tech player in the Big Ten. Yeah, and I think he wound up getting that national player of the year. Okay, Missouri-South Carolina. You want to talk about a game that I have absolutely no feel for? This is one of those games. I'm putting my hands up in the air right now, and I'm saying I played the fifth. I do not have a great feel whatsoever for Missouri. He's had a good year. They will be an NCAA tournament team. Haven't seen a ton of South Carolina this year. You know, it's funny how you have like one or two teams, guys, where you watch a good amount of college like I do. I don't have – this is a game I would just immediately scratch off because I don't know the teams well enough. I'll own it. Like, South Carolina is not a team that I feel comfortable fading here because I want to have a feel. I want to have a sense. Uh, Are you guys going anywhere near this game? I'm not. This is a complete stay away from me. For me, it'd probably be Missouri or bust in this one. Like, I like Missouri for the same reasons why I like the Badgers and, like, some of these uh, experienced teams coming into the season because, you know, they got seniors on this team. They got Drew Smith. Uh, they got Pinson, who I like, Mark Smith, Kobe Brown. So I like these veteran-type teams, but they've been kind of a disappointment for me this year. I mean, they're 13-6. and six. They're nationally ranked, but struggle to close out some games, and they've cost me some money. So for me, it probably would be Missouri even on the road or bust in this one. I don't know what the line's looking like, though. Yeah, what's the line on this one, Eli? Kempom. Yeah, Kempom line makes this two. Uh, Missouri winning by two on the road at South Carolina. I- I'm with you guys. It's it's a lean to Missouri uh, Tillman playing, though, is a major factor. Jeremiah Tillman, who's been out with personal reasons, yeah. back-to-back games for Mizzou. They lost to Arkansas and Georgia during that stretch. They, they they lost to Ole Miss last week with Tillman, but they lost three in a row overall. South Carolina, though, could turn you over. I backed this team last week against Ole Miss. Didn't work out, but defensively, they can give this. Uh, uh, they can give a lot of ball pressure to this to this uh, Missouri backcourt that has a lot of turnover problems. So, I, you know. Just discussing it, I kind of lean towards South Carolina, but we'll see if Tillman plays or not. We got so much more college basketball to get to, fellas. It's a loaded card, so we got you covered. And I think this is a good little exercise, by the way, in guessing the lines because 
listen, Rye, if we're nailing these lines before they even come out, I think it kind of gives us a good indicator on what direction we might be leaning in as soon as Circa and all these other books put out their numbers. So we got you covered on that. We got plays of the day. We got a lot more fun coming your way. It's BetQL Daily. We are right here on the BetQL Audio Network. So Houston needs two scores, and they need the first one very quickly. Giroux, his three swirls out. Loose ball. ATN's got it, and the Shockers have the win. 68-63, and the Shockers are in first place in the American. It's BetQL Daily on the BetQL Audio Network. Oh. Daily BetQL Audio Network. We're rocking right now in Denver. I know you folks are listening to us there. We're rocking right now in Los Angeles. We're rocking nationwide. It's Ryan Horvath. It's John Zustremski. We're breaking down all the ins and outs. Big weekend in college hoops. Plays of the day coming up a little bit later on. Now, Ryan, we did not get to my alma mater, Syracuse, who is in a must-win scenario Saturday. Where else? They're on the bubble. They are in the next four out. I saw in the Joe Lenardi projection. They're not very good, but they have a decent amount of wins. They're in a position where, you know, they've taken advantage of the underbelly of the ACC, but they've gotten screwed with a couple of big games that got canceled. Clemson, Florida State, Louisville twice, resume builders. So you really got no margin of error. I'm going to let Eli throw out the Kempom number in a moment. Let's have some fun here. Notre Dame-Syracuse. Game is at Syracuse. I'm going to say Syracuse is favored by two and a half in this game. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Ooh, Eli, where are we at? I'm going to go three. three. No, you know what? Three and a half. Give me a three and a half. Wow. How about this? How about this for a lied? Three. Q's wow. We're splitting three. the baby. We are splitting the baby. I think that's that's a fair line, Eli. That's a fair line, Syracuse being fa- favored by three over Notre Dame. I think that's a fair line. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you, man. Like, th- my issue with Notre Dame, and I know they're playing really well offensively. I think this team is going to be good next year. But they, they covered against Miami. But Miami on, on Sunday was covering pretty much, like let's say, 90% of the game. And Notre Dame had a couple threes to backdoor it late, especially in the final minute. So, yes, Notre Dame's offense is clicking, but their defensive cues can execute in the half court and hit their fair share of shots, which they've been a consistent yes in ACC play. But yeah. it's not – I mean, Notre Dame's shooting the third highest three-point – uh, percentage in conference play is that going to carry over against the Q zone where they're actually defending the three well I, I think there's a little bit of uh, value with Q's if you can get it at two and a half I like the sound of that I definitely like the sound of that now we go to the big 12 and I forgot about this team when we were going through contenders it's amazing I'm thinking Baylor obviously I'm thinking West Virginia I'm thinking Texas Tech I didn't mention the Texas Longhorns who have had a terrific terrific year with Shaka Smart it's been by far and away the best team he's had since he's taken over that Texas job. You know, a lot of people had Shaka Smart fired. They had him out. They had him on the hot seat. So he's kind of come back with a renaissance here. But if there's one team, Ryan, I have not liked betting against this year and has given me more fits, and that's why I've been riding him a lot more, it's without question 
Press Virginia, the deep, versatile West Virginia Mountaineers. So there's no way in the world I'll be fading West Virginia tomorrow. I can tell you that. Even if I am leaning in a direction of Texas, I just am a little too queasy from a couple of bad beats earlier this year. Not going to let it happen again, dude. I can't do it. Yeah, no, same here. I know, Eli, you've been all over West Virginia all season long. You know, I was really high on Texas entering the season. Nobody else really was. I said, this is finally going to be the roster where Shaka Smart could finally do something because he hasn't done anything. Like you said, man, he was on the hot seat, which is hard to believe because it was just a couple of years ago where he was like the next big thing in college hoops, was the hottest name, ends up going to Texas, and we really haven't heard from him since. But Texas played good basketball this year. They only got five losses on the season. They are at home, so I'd probably stay away, if anything, in this game. I like Andrew Jones a lot for them. I actually like West Virginia's backcourt a lot, too. I like Miles McBride, who's averaging about 16 points per game. But that press, them defensively, there's no way I'd back Texas in this spot. What's this line even at? Eli, I'm going to guess, top yeah. of my head, Texas minus one and a half. That's going to be my guess. Fair, Eli? What about you, Ryan? I want to ask you first. Uh, I'll go Texas minus two and a half. Again, this is like Q's Notre Dame, Texas. We're good. And you know what that tells us, Eli? We got a good sense for where these lines are going to be. I think that means good things for us this weekend, I hope. Fingers crossed. I agree. So I think I think the market is going to open this at two. Not, you know, typically they don't copy Kempon, but some books do, especially offshore. I think the market is going to drive this up, though, to three, three and a half. If we can get WU plus three and a half with the way they can rebound on the offensive glass. JG, you mentioned they frustrated you all year. This That's because they're one of the best offensive rebounding teams in college basketball, even after losing Oscar Shibwe. Culver is a monster on the glass, and they gained rebound, kind of like Houston, uh, even though they lost last night to Wichita State. Texas much better on the defensive glass in Big 12 play, but if West Virginia can keep this more of a half-court game, they've had a week off since the double OT loss to Oklahoma, so legs aren't really an issue for them. I do think, Ryan, to your point, Texas is coming along here down the stretch, but uh, I think if you can get West Virginia within a possession, there's some value there. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you, Eli. Do you like West Virginia coming off that loss? I mean, that was one of the best games in college hoops, although I had to sweat it out the entire, uh, both overtimes. But 91-90, man, that was the best game, I think, college basketball season long. So do you like West Virginia coming off the loss here? Is like a bounce back spot, or does that concern you? I guess it's a little concerning just because, just from the aspect of their three-point defense, right? Because right. they were top three, top two in the conference in perimeter defense, but that number was going to regress in a negative sense. And now they're sitting like in, in the middle of the pack in the Big 12 in terms of perimeter defense. So Texas can't shoot the three. It's a little concerning from that perspective. But again, if they can rebound the ball on the offensive glass and create second chance opportunities, Texas is going to get their three-point looks in transition. So that's the key to the game. Fellas, this is a big, big game for the Minnesota Golden Golfers. They have to lose it to Indiana. They're at home taking on Illinois. This is one that I'm looking at where I say, Minnesota, you want to avoid being in that dreaded last four in, you know, last four buys. You want to ensure you're going to the NCAA tournament. This is a game you need to win. And Eli, we talk about this all the time, the system that I have in place. I would not be surprised. I would not be shocked if you ended up having Minnesota favored here in this spot. Am I crazy for saying that, even though we love Illinois so much? <laughs> a little. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out the Kemp Palm line now because Illinois on Kemp Palm is minus five. But just in terms of your oh, throw. Oh, wow. So process. I overreacted a smidge there. See, they are really – you know what they're doing, though? They're selling a whole lot of stock on Minnesota, especially in the Kemp Palm market. ton of stock. Right, yeah. exactly. And go ahead, Ryan. 
No, no. I mean, I completely agree. Like, Minnesota's such a weird team because they only got 13 wins this season, but five of them have come against ranked opponents. You know, they've played nine ranked opponents and they beat five of them. Uh, one of those losses was to Wisconsin. So it's just a team that I really have a hard time kind of figuring out is Minnesota and Illinois. I mean, Illinois is obviously one of the best teams in the nation, but sometimes they just start off a little bit slow on the road. Taking on Minnesota. Now, that is the one thing, though. I do like back at Illinois on the road. They've won their last four road games, and they're really good offensively even on the road. But this Minnesota team scares the hell out of me because they've been stealing my money all year long. But when you look at their record, are they even a good team? Yeah, I think they're vulnerable, quite frankly. I don't. I think they are a team that has taken advantage of the fact that they have opportunity after opportunity in the Big Ten. Right. You know, And you mentioned the idea that they beat ranked teams. I'll give them credit for that. But when you're playing a ranked team basically every other day, yeah. kind of works to your advantage, you know? And that's something these Big Ten teams have working for them that some of the other conferences maybe do not. Speaking of one of the conferences that right now has had a major COVID setback, how about the Louisville Cardinals? Guys, are they even going to play this week against the North Carolina Tar Heels? I mean, I feel like I haven't seen Louisville in a month, basically. Yeah. Yeah. They've been off for like two plus weeks to your point, JJ, and they were supposed to play Q's, your Syracuse or Orange. It's a tough spot for, for Louisville, and I kind of like UNC, just Louisville coming off the COVID layoff, and UNC could dominate this game inside. Louisville's interior defense hasn't been, you know, has, hasn't been too susceptible, but uh, UN, they haven't faced a front court like UNC with Baycott and and the rest of those guys that, uh, that Roy Williams has. So I think if UNC can dominate the glass, which – they're one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country, kind of similar to, to Louisville. If this game is a pick and Louisville is coming off three weeks off a COVID layoff, essentially, uh, because it happened again with uh, Syracuse on Wednesday, I would I would probably take uh, UNC. Yeah, I like UNC in this spot. Now, I don't know the Ken Palm line, but I think UNC will absolutely be a play for me this weekend. I'm betting their favorite. I'm going to bet UNC's favored by like three and a half here in this game. That would be my initial take. Okay, yeah, what about you, four. Ryan? Yeah, I'll go four, four and a half. Okay, so we are back-to-back -back games. We are a little off here, but Ooh. I think you guys are agreeing with the market in terms of what the market's going to do for this game. It's UNC by a point. Oh, my oh, goodness. God. That's save, – save me the trouble right now. Lock me in. North Carolina is one of my best bets of the weekend. If that, if that line is under two, sign me up right now, boys. I'm all over the Tar Heels this weekend. All over it. Yeah, I'll probably be all over Carolina. Who's the team in the ACC like that we're sleeping on that you guys could see actually making a run? Because it's not going to be Duke. Although maybe it will be Duke. I don't know. Who, well, do it's amazing. Behan came out the other day yeah. and actually made the point that they've looked a lot better without Jalen Johnson. What is he saying? What had is the right to say that? For other guys. And listen, Behan doesn't mince words. Sometimes he's totally out to lunch. He might have a point here because Duke has looked better. Um, I still think, guys, out of any of these teams in the ACC, if there's going to be one that makes a run in the NCAA tournament, it's the Virginia Cavaliers. And I hate their style of play. They bore me to death. But they have the ability to let their pace and their style of play dictate the terms of a game. And I think that's important. We've seen that with the 2-3 zone in the past. We've seen it with other elements that teams bring to the table. If there's a team I'm buying stock in, even after that loss to Florida State, which was ugly, and I was all over Florida State in that game, I think Virginia is the team that goes on a run in the ACC. That's me. Yeah, I'm with you. See, like this time of year, even when these teams are struggling or it's a mediocre season, 
and there's teams like Virginia or even Villanova, who's a top team in the nation, but it's not the same Villanova teams that we've seen here the last decade. I start looking at coaching, you know, like I, I, I hate fading Jay Wright. And then I'm with you. Um, you know, how important do you think that is Eli, especially like this season though, like you look in the ACC, like, or even in the Big Ten, you know, it's always in March. Never count out Tom Izzo. But this year, like, Michigan State's a disaster. And just because right. of Tom Izzo, I'm not going to back them in March just because of Izzo and his magic because, like, this is a completely different team this year in a different situation. No, it's a good point. And we want to obviously get through the rest of the games here on the card. But to be honest, I don't think it's any team. I, I know everyone's on Florida State right now, but I don't trust Leonard Hamilton in the tournament. They're really athletic, but they're also just not the smartest team in basketball in terms of the upper echelon teams in the country. So I'm not a fan of any of these teams to make a run. Yeah, All right, guys, real quick, because we have to hit on the game of the weekend in college basketball. It's without a doubt, Michigan, Ohio State, and it's amazing. It'll be far more competitive than what you had with Michigan and Ohio State on the gridiron. These are two teams that profile as potential number one seeds. I've been trying to figure out all darn week what the line is going to be on this particular game. The game is being played at Ohio State. We know the public likes backing both of these teams a ton. What are we looking at? Pick them? One point line? My guess would be right now, Ohio State is favored by one in this game. That's just my initial take. Right. Yeah, I'm going to go one and a half. Yeah, one and a half. Wow. Okay, so we're back on track here, and it's Ohio State on Kemp Palm favored by a point. Wow, we nailed it exactly. Very proud of us for that, by the way. Very, very proud of us for that, Eli. Um, and my initial take on that game is I'm going to like Michigan in that spot. That's just my per- that's my take right now. I'll be rolling with Michigan, and I have been backing them all year. They've been good to me all year. I feel like I kind of owe it to them in this spot. The only thing is I wonder – where are we thinking the public money comes in? Uh, on the higher-ranked team, or does it come in on the team that's wowing everybody the last few weeks? That's the question. I think it ends up coming in on the home team, and I think I'm staying away from this. If anything, I want to see what the total is going to end up being. I may play the under in this game. I think this is going to be a tough defensive matchup for both teams. I think they may slow up the pace a little bit. Both teams have burned me all season long, so I have a hard time fading either. You covered across the board from a college basketball landscape, but we got so much more to do. Here on BetQL Daily, we're going to welcome in Reed Wallach, and we're going to talk some college hoops. We'll get a sense for the Aussie Open, the UFC, all that stuff that's going on. Doug Kersey is still to come. We got MLB win totals still to come. And where else would you rather be? It's a Friday. We're getting closer and closer to the NCAA tournament right here. BetQL Daily on the BetQL Audio Network.